0: Episode 322, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Season 7, Episode 7. There's a lot of 7s here. The Totally Excellent Adventures of Mac and the D.
1: Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place.
0: Okay, hello and welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. It's me, Ben, Ben Avery, and I am running solo. I am going solo on this episode. I really, really am sorry to be going solo on this episode because it's such an excellent episode, which was actually in the title of this episode. Uh, Also funny, Welcome to Level 7 welcomes you to Season 7, Episode 7. So there's that. I can't share that joke with uh, Samantha and Stuart because I'm here alone um things just didn't work out for us to record together and there's a lot of you know human stuff personal stuff life stuff uh but i'm here now to do something that is going to be either incredibly successful and memorable or absolutely dreadful and possibly memorable for that reason as well but i am going to record this episode and i'm going to record it as i am listening or rather watching the episode so, this is actually going to work out as somewhat of a, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? A commentary track episode. And already it's just wonderful. I mean, I'm, I've already started just forgetting words and not knowing what I'm saying and what I'm talking about. Uh, so anyway, yeah, right now I have my episode queued up where, Clark Gregg is saying previously on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I can see there's the eagle right there. And uh, so if you want, you can queue up this episode on Hulu and watch it with me. Now, here's what's also going to happen. Because I'm watching it on Hulu, there's going to be commercial breaks. And so during the commercial breaks, I'm going to read listener feedback, and that's how that's going to work. So, also, I have a different setup, so hopefully this is going to work, but um, I don't want to say too much more in this preamble. This is a commentary track, so now is the time, if you haven't gotten it ready, or if you don't plan to get it ready, um, hit pause and and get Hulu up or whatever it is that you use to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and uh, when the commercials come, uh, you can... If you don't have commercials as you're watching, you can just hit pause on Netflix because you're doing this next year when when the season drops or something like that Uh, or on uh, Disney Plus or whatever it might be. And then you'll get some of the listener feedback. And then when the listener feedback is done, you just hit play again. Simple, right? I mean, it's interactive, too. Uh, But generally speaking, I'm going to try and not stop talking, even though I'll be watching the episode. I'll also be talking about things as they come up on the episode. And then I also have my own notes, which are over here. Oh, where's my my notes? Like I said, life is happening right now. I guess maybe my notes didn't come through. No, they came through, but to a different email account. So uh, there, there they are. Okay, there's my notes that I have that I wrote as I was watching the episode. Oh, man. Hey, we're giving it a try, though. I had to do something fun just to make this something uh, that'd be different and 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 work um because of just the way you know life right now isn't very fun and so i wanted some fun and you want some fun watch this episode i'm I'm telling you i had a lot of fun watching this episode but there are some reasons to maybe not like this episode and so uh i don't think any of the feedback that we got has any kind of negative feelings about this episode but um if you do have negative feelings about this episode and maybe about the way I'm recording this episode by myself, Um, let us know, you know, send us some feedback. But uh, right now I am starting, I'm hitting play right now. Clark Gregg is saying previously on Marvel's agents of shield. And also now we're getting the whole thing with Sybil and and what's going on with her. And I'm really curious. uh, They have created a MacGuffin in this episode and we'll talk about it when we get to it, but they've created a MacGuffin in this episode and it's a really I'm just curious how this fits into all the stuff with like the, uh, the infinity stones, you know, and, and just how does this work, you know, and how does the MCU work here? But they've got the time stream that she follows as apparently a thing that you can actually hold and a robot can pick up. But uh, now in the previously on stuff, they're, they're giving us the whole Zeke and or not Zeke, Deke, Deke and, uh, and Mac, setup this is where they are they are trapped in time and they are taking the slow way so we start this episode out and uh, we get to see mac and we don't we see deke there's deke boy i'm really stinking this up right now maybe i shouldn't be doing this but um this beginning part here with deke and may i actually was uh thrown for a loop a little bit i thought maybe that this whole setup here with deke and may was actually that deke was um talking to may from the past. Like this was may from before Iran. And instead uh, I really, I was convinced that that was the case, but I was, I was wrong. Then we move to, um, the tragic nerd. um, How many of you thought that he was going to survive um, past this episode? Because once I saw what was going on, I I knew he wasn't going to. However, at this point in time where he shows up, this tragic nerd guy who basically runs this computer repair shop. It's a mom and pop kind of thing. And um, he, he runs this himself. And I thought that this was setting up. Coulson, you know, and so when he so here's the. Yeah, he's talking to the, the jerk who doesn't remember him at all. Poor Russell. Poor Russell. But, um, you know, I—that's I, interesting, too, because, I mean, we're here in the 80s, early 80s, and computers were uh, not the same kind of thing that we have now. And, uh, unfortunately, bullies are. <laughs> so... This poor guy, though, he the whole setup here, it reminds me, and I have a list of like all the things from the 80s that I caught that um, were getting referenced here. Unfortunately, um, Samantha also has a list, and I, I'm not sure what was on her list, and she probably has a couple more on hers. But the setup, totally, I'm in, first of all, I'm in War Games area. I mean, this is just reminding me, of, would you like to play a game kind of thing. I also remember this reminds me of, a, of an X-Files episode, where you had um, a kid who was drawing pictures, and uh, it reminds me of that. It's not, it's not the same kind of thing, but he's actually here looking at this code, and then he sees, will you help me, yes or no? And you remember when we were talking about AI uh, last time? This whole, will you help me, yes, no, on the green, well, the, the green letters on the black monitor, totally is exactly like what I was dealing with in the the museum. So I went to a museum that was, that had some stuff about artificial intelligence and you, it would ask you questions. You would answer the questions and it would answer you more questions. And and there's it's supposed to be like a conversation going back and forth. And, uh, and so the whole, will you help me? Yes. No, that reminded me first of all of, of that, but then second of all, of course of war games. But then the surprise was that this was not Coulson. This is actually Sybil. Uh, and so this really, this kind of shocked me, uh, partially because I knew what was coming with, with Colson. It was spoiled for me. And that was really unfortunate. Uh, the title screen has, has come and gone now, but the title screen with those green letters, man, that takes me back to school. When I was in elementary school, those were our computers and, um, just that whole eighties, uh, vibe that they have going on here it's great it's fantastic i wish they would have done a little bit more with the opening credits but they get to it later on um with the whole a-team thing that's going on so mac and deke this is where we see the beginnings of this friendship i had a friend uh that i work with who's when they were trapped. Um, my friend Matt sent me a text and just said, boy, I I can't imagine two more different people to be trapped in time together. And uh, here's where we have Mac just angry at, at the world, at life. He's, he's upset and, and reasonably so. His parents uh, or facsimiles of his parents have died at his hands. And now it's 1982 and they've been dead for six years now. No, it, 76. Yeah. So six years. Six years, and so yeah. But this is where Deke, I think, is growing into his own. For me, I'm really appreciating Deke in this episode a lot. And this is the second time that we've had Deke make an emotional plea with someone to say, "I am with you. I, I, I can, I can somewhat relate to how you are." feeling right now because in this case he's saying i i lost my parents too um and previously it was with Souza where he's like we were all pulled out of time and, and taken away from our our lives my problem here as i'm watching uh you know as much as i love mac this moment here where he leaves deke behind this is awful this is bad stuff i mean he just abandoned deke now I don't know what, what to expect him to do, you know, but this was awful. Um, so we have all the, the family stuff going on as well. And, and I mean, what would you do if you're, you're Mac and, and you're, you're lost in time. He's visiting his parents grave. Um, and it's man. And now I have to talk about this for the next two minutes about what, what's going on here at the grave, but, um, this is good sci-fi, though. I mean, this is the kind of thing that you want to explore in sci-fi. You can't explore these kind of things in any other any other medium or any other not medium uh, genre uh, other than this. And this gets us into some weird places with Mac, you know, going and putting flowers at his parents' grave. Um, they were killed by the Chronicoms. Looking and seeing his his not his, his brother. And him, and so that's, that's a weird one too, because, you know, have you ever had that question, you know, what would you do if you could go back in time and warn yourself about something? I mean, that's just, uh, you know, what would you tell your, your past self now for 2020? It's what would you tell yourself in 2019 um, uh, before 2020? It was, what would you tell yourself, you know, as a 10 year old, and, and now we're getting, what would you tell yourself in 2019? Because, yeah, 2020 has just been so awful. But Yeah, so uh watching the show and if you're watching with me, you can see this, but probably most people are not watching it with me. Um you've got you've got uh Russell, you know, doing this thing getting the voice box going and that's kind of cool. You know, this is again all taking me back. But I'm watching him and I'm feeling like, you know what? I just did this to my laptop. I fixed my laptop. I I I Was able to replace the hard drive by myself. It was pretty cool. So, but now he's talking to a Speak and Spell, and so one more reference, you know. Now, is it a Speak and Spell? No, but it reminds me of one, and uh, it just reminds me then of of ET trying to send his his message. But I mean, Russell here, he is setting himself up to a point where um, he could take this technology and he could become the next big thing for technology. But uh, again, tragedy is. Is coming. So, this is where I don't understand what's going on. Um, Mac just walks into a house. Now, did he buy this house? And as I was watching this with my kids, the question was where did he get money to get this house? Is this his house? Is this his parents' house? Um, He's got models. He's got beers and we're seeing the passage of time and I'm loving the style that's going into this episode right now where you got the passage of time happening with the model and you see the model get put together. You see the beer cans disappear from the six pack ring uh, and you see the beard start to grow. Now, what I love about this is last week during our post credit uh, conversation, we talked about, hey, the beard, look at his beard because in the preview they showed his beard and I said, I hope they use the beard to show the passage of time. And they do. They do. You see his beard growing every new scene. Now, here's where we also have um, Deke walk in. And uh, again, I feel I feel representation here. I'm looking at Deke from 1982, and I'm seeing myself from 1987 uh, with this jacket, with the, the little button collar thing that could be – I never really understood that, but it's like meant to – Bring your neck real, real close. Um, and then you have Mac do the whole dog trick that I'm going to trick my dog into running away by throwing a ball out the door and then closing the door and locking the door. And I am ticked at Mac during this. Now, should I be? Probably not. I mean, he's still dealing with a lot of baggage and they're doing this episode. What's great about this episode is that they are using this episode to allow the passage of time for Mac to really heal, or to start to heal, uh, that's something that is a problem in a lot of TV shows uh, where you you have these horrible things happening, but then, uh, it's 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 just done. You know, th- th- at the end of the episode, everything's resolved and everyone's back to normal in the next episode. Um, in fact, I used that. Uh, I I did a comic book series called The Oz Wonderland Chronicles, and at the end. Um, It's Dorothy dealing with the the death of her family. And at the end, I'm not going to talk about like the actual plot and stuff, but at the end of that, um, Dorothy says, uh, or Alice asks Dorothy, are you okay? And Dorothy says, no, but I will be, you know, I just to show, you know, just because the story is over doesn't mean the problems are over, but there is hope. And, uh, yeah. So this is what's nice about this episode is that with the passage of time, the way that they're doing it, it gives Mac the opportunity to, Process, heal, and and start to move on. Um, but boy, I do not like the way he's treating Deke. And I have a feeling at the end of the episode, Mac is going to feel just plain awful. Um, so then we have the, the note. The note under the door to Mac telling him to go to uh, the club very soon. And uh, yeah, Swayze's is the club. Swayze's bar. Uh, By the way, in Indiana, there is the only town named Swayze is in Indiana, and so that's uh, just a little bit of trivia for you. But there is a town named Swayze, and their claim to fame literally is the only town in the world named Swayze. I told you, you're going to get – like this is just like any commentary you'd watch or listen to. You're going to get some really odd, weird, dumb, unrelated stories. So here we have Russell now, and he's talking to the robot. And let's talk about this robot a little bit because this robot gives us uh, shades of, of Short Circuit, shades of uh, Battlestar Galactica, um, again, lots of references, uh, and shades of Knight Rider, of course, and with that woo woo thing going back and forth with the, that single moving eye. And uh, have you seen that cartoon? Uh, Comic strip where it shows a stormtrooper talking to a Cylon, and the Cylon says, "You think you have it hard trying to hit a target? Try, try hitting a target with one eye, and it's constantly moving." And so that was kind of funny. But anyway, um, yeah. So add to our '80s list: uh, Short Circuit, and Battlestar Galactica, and Knight Rider. And now add to our '80s list for me, anyway. This next portion, we are in Buckaroo Banzai territory. Um, But we're also in back to the future territory as well. And also the movie yesterday, which I don't know if you've seen the movie yesterday, but that movie is fantastic. It is so good. And it's about a guy who gets hit by a bus. And when he wakes up, he is one of just a few people in the world who remembers the Beatles and their songs. And so he starts writing Beatles songs and they are hits. They're huge hits. And he becomes, you know, one of the biggest artists in the world. Um, Now we're at an ad. So I'm going to start listening or reading some voice, some, some uh, feedback. This is from uh, Agent Coco. Oh, this is I'm not going to read that one because that's a follow up to her voicemail, which I'll do later. Um, Got 75 seconds left here. So here is Agent uh, Blessed Cheesemaker. And his message is uh, subject feedback for adapt or die. He says, welcome. To, hello. Welcome to level seven crew. Blessed cheesemaker here. I actually watched the most recent episode before your podcast came out. So I figured I would send in some feedback. I'm probably too late already anyway, but you can read it next time, which is what I'm doing. Uh, the part with Daisy and Sousa felt like it wrapped up rather quickly, but it was interesting to see these two bond. I was hoping to get a story from Sousa that would wrap up Agent Carter, but maybe next time nathaniel got his comeuppance or do you think he will be back well we're going to get to the end of this episode about that patrick Warburton's rick stone is a pleasure to watch what was that face that may made when they said goodbye though was he a chronicom 2 or was it just his emotions trying to buy her a drink i think that's what it is i think that that was uh his emotions coming through her colson died again at least he knows now that resurrection is a superpower interesting conversation with the predictor i'm still wondering about the theory that she is trying to get them to mess up time on their own Mac's parents i don't remember but what happened to them in our timeline could this be what happened maybe we are still in the correct timeline and again me uh, butting in again but no this is not the correct timeline as far as that goes um because this was a surprise to him he remembers having 1976 with them i guess mac and deke may be a little older when we see them next time way what a way to end the episode and i didn't really mention the and simmons part but uh, i guess we kind of we kind of guessed most of that already agent Fitz is still not in this episode Looking forward to your podcast. I enjoy listening, and I want to say thank you, Blessed Cheesemaker, who is a uh, Patreon patron. Now, so we're back in the the episode here, and we've got Deeks uh, singing. <laughs> so, yeah, and uh, Mac just can't can't handle it. But uh, this is where we're talking about uh, Back to the Future, where you have uh, Johnny be good uh, by Marty McFly. And of course, I know that uh, that uh, Stewart would really wish that he could be watching uh, or talking right now about this, because we wouldn't be watching actually if <laughs> if we were recording together. But um, he's singing "Don't You Forget About Me." Uh, what's that song again? Uh, it's by Simple Minds from 1985, and here he is singing it in 1982. So he is the leader the he's the guy and he can claim this song <laughs> but just like the movie yesterday which is a really great movie um the resolution of the movie is really really good and there's a really interesting part in the middle with um well I'm not going to say but I do recommend that movie it's a soft sci-fi movie and I really really enjoyed it and uh yeah I, I yeah yesterday Check it out. Back to the Future is also happening here, um, and it's not the first time you have someone go back in time and and claim something. You know, Star Trek reference, where um, oh man, I can't remember her name, but the the Vulcan from uh, Star Trek Enterprise to Paul, uh, her grandmother was trapped on Earth and she invented Velcro. <laughs> I guess that's not her going back in time and creating it though. That's her. Uh, that's her ancestor creating it on Earth, but. I like it when it's like this, where you have someone stealing something in this way. I don't like it when you have someone going back in time and creating something that someone else actually did invent in in history. And yeah, and the whole idea is, uh, well, this person from our fictional universe went back in time, and that's where we got this computer device or whatever. But anyway, yeah. Max not too happy about this. Um, and I think this goes back to the ripples and waves. And here we are. <laughs> so he's singing the, the song from The Breakfast Club, which is another 80s reference that we got here. Um, but, man, fantastic. Fantastic movie. In my memory. In my memory. It may not be quite as uh, incredible as I remember I didn't see it until college, even though it was about high school. But yeah, anyway, so here's where we're also going to see what's going on with S.H.I.E.L.D. And I shouldn't say what's going on with S.H.I.E.L.D. What's going on with people calling themselves S.H.I.E.L.D.? Because this is where Deke says this is not um, just a band. We're not just a cover band because to him it's original songs also. But it's the band is cover and this is where we get the a-team sequence and it's actually kind of funny because in the subtitles it actually said for me anyway when i was watching um that a-team music started playing and so you have uh, the chain gang um you have olga you have um cricket and cricket is the guy who actually was the shady guy who helped him to find mac in the first place um and that's the band and this is where again i'm reminded of uh, a couple different things i'm reminded of buckaroo bonsai and i'm also reminded of ant-man and ant-man's crew um this is kind of a a very similar vibe to ant-man's crew in that first ant-man movie but uh but this is where how does this work you know this the superstars who are actually super spies uh i guess they're not super stars they're just playing in bars but um You know, it's Gem and the Holograms, you know, and it's so many different things like that where it's an 80s cartoon trope of uh, the traveling group who actually solves crimes. But these guys are trying to be undercover and they're trying to be S.H.I.E.L.D. And so my question is, Okay, so what is S.H.I.E.L.D. actually up to? And the other thing that I was wondering is what are the Chronicoms actually up to? And so what I didn't realize also is that the Chronicoms were all destroyed last episode by Coulson. According to Sybil in this episode, she's all alone. And that just really surprised me because that is not the impression that I got from, from that previous episode. This is where we get the smash cut that I love where he's like, oh, no, you didn't. Oh, of course you did. And we move from one place to the other. And uh, Mac is uh, kind of built up as this kind of mythological being in, in uh, Deke's, the, the Deke Squad uh, crew. But again, reminded of Buckaroo Banzai because that was that whole team of international heroes who also are a band. And okay, so what is Shield up to though? What is actual Shield up to? Because the lighthouse has been abandoned, which that goes along with the historical record, and you have these guys kind of taking their place. And then no, no mention of Shield, and that's a little bit. You know, that threw me for a loop. And that's part of why I thought that May was actually in the beginning um, grilling uh, Deke because she was from S.H.I.E.L.D. in the past and it was past May, but it, it was not actually. Then we get Colson. Colson is in a TV set. Colson is Max Hadram. And man, do I wish this had not been spoiled for me. Um, in our next uh, commercial break, I'm going to talk about some feedback we got from um, from Hank Harwell, who is probably the biggest Max Hedrum fan that I know. And unfortunately, I still have his Max Hedrum DVDs in my office, and I've only watched about four episodes, and I've had them for about four years. Um, so, Hank, I'm sorry. I keep forgetting to send it back to you. Uh, but I keep intending to continue watching. Uh, but anyway, Colson shows up. He's basically um, Max Headroom. But he's also, uh, he reminds me a little bit of uh, Charlie from Charlie's Angels. Where he's just giving the mission from a box. <laughs> and then we come back to Russell. And this is where our robots are reminding me of Cylons. They're reminding me of Knight Rider. They're reminding me of Short Circuit. And they're also reminding me of Chopping Mall. Uh, Chopping Mall, where it's a robot security system that kills people horribly. (laughs) And they're about to kill Russell horribly. Um, I don't know how this worked, (laughs) The drill went in under, it looks like under his sternum. A splatter of blood goes right in his face and then it comes out his, his back. But uh, yeah, let's talk about um, Max Hedrum. So this is Hank Harwell. He's replying specifically to our episode, I believe, uh, from last week, where he just said, It just hit me. Mac with the beard is totally channeling Isaac Hayes from Escape to New York. Then he said also, It's 20 minutes into the future. We had said five minutes into the future on our episode last week. And then he said we get some feedback, uh, some background, uh, rather, on Max Headroom. And this is going to give us, uh, what do you call it, sci-fi homework. You know, we've talked about Voyagers. We've talked about um, uh, Body Snatchers, and we, we've talked about um, Sunset Strip. But, uh, yeah, Max Headroom was on ABC. The show was ultimately canceled because it was too expensive to make. Then the character, however – Initially was created to introduce music videos on BBC four and he says, what else do you want to know? Well, then he also sent us some mail feedback and the subject line was totally excellent. Uh, And he says, as I mentioned in another venue, I hadn't been listening to the podcast as I wanted to try and listen with my wife. This is one of the few geeky pleasures that she watches with me. I have since given up on them and desperately trying to catch up, but I could not not comment on this one. Ben knows why. I've seen some comments that this episode is complete fan service and was garbage. But as an 80s teen, I loved every 80s movie and TV trope thrown into this blender and turned on high. Uh, Okay, the show is back, but uh, I think I'm going to continue reading Hank's Hank's message. Uh so he gives us a, a bullet point list of things that he recognized. Colson <laughs> headroom. I'm so glad they did not try to push the similarities too far on this one. Short circuit, although I really wanted the killbots, one of the killbots to say number five is alive. I wanted, this is me coming in, I wanted one of the our team to say number five is no longer alive, but he didn't do that. John Hughes teen romance flicks gets referenced. Uh 80s slasher movies, especially Chopping Mall, one of Mac's favorites. Rambo exterminate. I also got a small vibe of largely forgotten eighties film electric dreams, but it is so small. I think I may have manufactured it. I really wanted to see a radio shack logo or something really identifiable as radio shack product that would have helped to anchor the episode in the decade behind the 80s trope fest though there are some really nice character development for mac he's always been the steady compassionate leader whose size often helps to emphasize his presence but relies on his humanity and wit to get things done he is director most in line with colson's ethos but here he learns that his parents are dead replaced by chronicoms and he in fact had to push the chronicom posing as his mother out of the quinjet that had to weigh heavily on him and i could completely understand his turning on himself props to deke for trying to be there for him even if mac continually pushes him away deke is still annoying but he's also getting a decent development path and growing as a person it's good to see the writers and producers having so much fun this translates to a fun season i'm related to this episode while it is totally likely that yo-yo's problems may stem from the shrike i wonder if it might possibly be related to the new arms she received somehow interfering with her powers as far as we know and we really don't know based on what we've seen on screen her problems didn't begin until after she received her new prosthesis prosthesis now the shrike's theory connects to this season better to last season but until this is resolved there's another option does anyone think that the writers also have the attitude akin to what are they really going to do cancel us hashtag where's fits So uh, right now, the episode, they're doing their uh, practice mission, which is going to fail horribly as they are shooting each other with paint guns. And Olga used real explosives (laughs) and they're fake explosives. Hank sent another message. I'll get to that in another break. But right now, I did want to throw in another 80s reference, and that is with Deke and Top Gun. He walks out. um, This happened minutes ago, but he walks out in the uniform. New S.H.I.E.L.D. uniform is really reminiscent of a flight suit. And he walks out. He's wearing the aviator sunglasses and pulls them off. And it just totally gives off a Tom Cruise vibe uh, that takes me back to, uh, to Top Gun. Now, Deke and Mac are having more and more problems. But Deke has a peace offering. <laughs> and it's, it's the Axe Shotgun. And it's cheesy, it's goofy, it's funny, and it's so heartfelt. And I think that's probably the way I would describe this entire episode. is cheesy, goofy, funny, and heartfelt. So now it's time in my commentary. We're going to talk about what I'm drinking because that's what commentators do, um, especially if they're directors who just don't care about doing the commentary. (laughs) But I'm going to take a drink now because I am thirsty. I've been talking nonstop. There are some directors I've listened to a commentary where they're just not even talking about the movie, and I can't remember which what it was. I, I wish I could remember, but he's just talking about what he was, what he had for dinner. Um, I also remember when uh, was it uh, Moore, Ron, Ron Moore. Um, I remember when he was recording uh, commentary about Battlestar Galactica episodes in his uh, kitchen, and uh, he would just talk about what the wine was that he was drinking and stuff like that. So I'm I'm just doing that. Okay, we just saw the manhole cover get picked up by a robot, and uh, that reminds me of Chud a little bit. And I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be reminded of Chud, but I am reminded of Chud. And so the robots are on the warpath. And we go to Cricket, who has a girl in his room. And you know by 80s tropes, 80s slasher horror tropes, uh, he's going to die very soon because he's a sinner. And it's one of those where the punishment to teenagers, I guess cricket's more than a teenager, but um, you know if if uh, anyone is actually in bed with someone else, that they are going to die because that's just the way it works in an '80s slasher movie. So I don't know um, when you're referencing an entire a a trope from from a a bunch of movies. You know, is that a reference? Well, I I guess it is, but I, I really can't give it a specific reference you know, like chopping is a specific reference. Um, so yeah, we got war games. I'm just going through my list of references, the Rambo reference. I, did I miss that? Maybe I did uh, where they were doing the montage. But, yeah. So they're talking to the robot and uh, he's making fun of the robot. And that, that's another way, you know, he's going to die is when <laughs> you, you know, anyone's just kind of a jerk, um, even though you're a jerk to a killer. There's so much blood in this episode. Can we talk about that for a moment? I mean, this is the '80s trope. Moves away from the MCU realism, and uh, and we get the just the nasty buckets and buckets of blood. Um, my son, who complains about things that aren't realistic. I think I mentioned the Eureka thing, where the rocket shot a blast from Earth and uh, and missed the moon, but then hit the uh, satellite. That was orbiting around Jupiter. And my son was like, That's so dumb. Well, the blood here, he said, That's so dumb. And that's why it's great. So there's that. So this is where Mac gets uh, confronted by Deke's friend. Uh, again, this feels 80s, you know, the whole conversation that they're having here. Um, but this is where Mac finds out that Deke has been taking care of Mac as a kid and Mac's brother. Gave them a drum kit, gave them some model kits and and has been giving them stuff. My kids want to know what in the world – and we'll, we'll get to it. I, I, I think I want to talk about the robot a little bit more, but my kids are like, how weird is that? So the robot comes and says exterminate and the music kind of feels like something from Terminator, but we are now moving into – a commercial. So we're going to get back to Hank Harwell and agent Hank says, uh, further thoughts. The drummer cricket reminds me of the various drummers from this is spinal tap. He's not really part of the core group and doesn't last long. Also, a lot of people are saying that the Zephyr returned to the past quote unquote. So therefore they could go forward and backward now, but I don't think that's correct. The Zephyr still jumped forward. It took Deke and Mac 20 months to get to the point where they are reunited with the main crew. In other words, they traveled the long time, traveled the long way. For the team on the Zephyr, it may have taken them 30 minutes, but they never went backwards, only forwards. As I mentioned, I really appreciate the fact they didn't try to mimic the Max Headroom speaking patterns with Coulson. If they had, it would have slid too far down the cheesiness scale to be saved. Rather, the following exchange with Mac was spot on, and I love this exchange that Hank's about to quote. Mac, Coulson? And then Coulson says, and not a bunch of ones and zeros trapped in a digital hell? I'd like to think so, but admittedly, there's been some real soul searching here. Good stuff. And that's the other thing is uh, Max Hedrum, I believe that the main character actually was – oh, Hank, you're going you're gonna to kill me now – but uh, was, a, was a human who got trapped in uh, a digital format. So commercial's over. We're back to our episode, and we have Olga getting <laughs> her knife ready, and um, we have the team just hanging out, just being sad about Mac so, um, and, and, this is where, um, Deke gets his, uh, his philosophy of leadership. And so now it's time for philosophy of leadership with Deke. Every team needs a goal, a good leader. I'm just too much of a dreamer. And then he admits that he didn't write the songs. <laughs> so we've, apparently he wrote walk like an Egyptian. I believe he also wrote here. I go again. Which is a song from 1982. That was a little bit dangerous. Um, was that White Snake? I can't remember. But uh, that's a little dangerous. To, to write a song that people are already writing. Somewhere in the world. Um, oh there's. Okay so this blood splatter here. It's not quite as bad as, as The Shining. And, and The Shining I think is 70's anyway. But that's just a lot of blood. <laughs> and the robot is still using that lost puppy um gambit can somebody please help me i am lost uh so olga i want to know her story i'm i'm curious if uh what's going on with her because she's the only one who's really got the skills but okay terminator we've got our terminator reference where we got that point of view with the computer uh readout on the screen and it's red um this 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 episode so the question is are the references too much? Or are the references just right? And I could see someone really hating this episode. In fact, I was wondering if my son would hate this episode. He didn't. My girls adore this episode. Uh, my youngest daughter is just – you know how you can be fans of a decade? Well, she's a fan of the 80s, and, and part of it is just the Stranger Things vibe that she – um she liked the vibe from stranger things and so that kind of gave her this uh just love for the 80s she doesn't go so far as to do her hair like as a you know a punk girl hair kind of cut or whatever but and she doesn't wear 80s fashion or anything like that but she does love 80s music and uh so here's where we start getting one-liners too though and max says uh you know i don't know who or when but someone's gonna pay and then the girl says uh Mean the robots? And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. So you you at least have them hanging a lampshade on it, like they're they're saying these lines with a straight face, uh, but then they're they're not in on the joke with the line, but they're definitely referencing the fact that man, these lines are pretty ridiculous and goofy. Uh, <clears throat> oh, so that was my part where I get caught up in the episode. <laughs> And, and stop talking and leave a little bit of dead space but uh this is where we get um, I'm reminded of predator especially the beginning you know where Dutch and uh Carl weathers you know shake their hands you know um, when they're their first meeting at the beginning but also I'm reminded of any number of uh I guess Carl weathers and, and rocky too maybe but um, any number of 80s movies where they the music swells as friends are reunited and decide that we're gonna team up and we're gonna fight again together and uh is it cheesy you bet it's cheesy and i could see again someone getting lost in this and saying yikes no not for me <laughs> so ah this is the rambo the rambo thing mac cuts his beard mac has they have a uniform ready for him in his size the question is did he take the sleeves off or did they but we actually have the behind the head putting on a bandana and uh then we have mac with his shotgun posing looking at the camera and then wipe fade (laughs) so yeah i mean it's the 80s and uh it's it's fantastic, but man, they really skirted a line here. They really, really skirted the line. So this is where they also figure out about the MacGuffin. And boy do they just jump to conclusions here. Um Sybil's targeting the base because that means the time stream must be there. So I'm thinking in my mind that there's a spot somewhere where you can access the time stream, you know, kinda like uh the whole the crack in Doctor Who and, and whatnot but no in fact this is the scene that they just showed where the robot actually picks up the time stream in its hand and starts trying to, to leave very very slowly and uh, <laughs> so this is where uh, now they're attacking the robot and it's great teamwork Mac is using his shotgun it says this is where the it ends short circuit but uh, this is where, yeah, the Johnny Five is Alive thing could have happened, but it didn't. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, slow motion, out of the smoke, the Chang brothers, they push it back onto the, the bomb, and they blow it up. Possibly the worst portion of the whole thing is when they move away from practical effects, and the explosion is clearly a digitally enhanced something, Um, but honestly, when I watched it the first time, it took me out just like it did just now. Everything else has felt tactile, has felt um, real and present, because they have been, but this explosion where the bomb explodes from underneath the thing, it, it takes me out. And Now, it's not as bad as season one effects, or some of the season one effects, but yeah. So, Sybil has made some uh, upgrades. She now has lasers, and we'll come back to that, but it is an advertisement time now, commercial time. So let's turn to Agent Dylan, who says, uh, oh, yeah, this is a good one. Um, agents of Sealed, 707, the Deke Squad. I know that's not the name, but it should be. Agents, so are we not going to address the mysterious figure climbing down the ladder when Colson blew up the pods? Agent Dylan signing off. Hashtag Trip Lives. Hashtag Deke Squad. And I think that was just another Chronicom. Just trying to get there in time because if I remember correctly from last episode, um, the Chronicoms were sending people to get down there because Sybil realized something was going on. They realized something was going on. But what I didn't realize was that Coulson was blowing up everyone, every single Chronicom, dead now. Agent Derek in Dublin, Ireland writes in to say – Hey, Ben, Samantha, Stu, and Daniel, gone but never forgotten. Welcome to episode 707. Nice. Welcome to episode 707. What a fun episode. There were more references in there than Ready Player One. Ooh, we should come back to that. They worked for me probably. Actually, let's stick right there, and I'll come back to this. the rest of his message. But Ready Player One, I hate so much. Now, Stuart and I can argue about that a little bit, but he's not here, so he's not here to argue. But I hate that so much, and I just saw there's a book coming out. It's Ready Player Two. I don't want this. I hated that movie. I hated that book. And when he says more references in Ready Player One, back to the episode. And I'm just going to continue talking about Ready Player One for a moment here because that book is just lists of all the things from the 80s that Robert Klein loved. And it really just – I wanted to throw that book across the room. But the only reason I didn't was because I was also listening to a podcast um, called 572 Pages I Will Never Get Back. This from some of the people from uh, Rift Tracks and Mystery Science Theater, and uh, yeah. So, all right, so the team is going into <laughs> going into a uh, action, and uh, yeah, Deke gets to use his superpower of creating a distraction and getting attention. There's that's so why I was thinking speak and spell. <laughs> This is where he talks about, I'm going to make a speak and spell out of your spare parts, and then he explains his insult to the robot. <laughs> uh, because that'd probably be embarrassing for a robot. And the explosion here is a little more realistic, but I think that's because they had actual moving pieces from the explosion. Uh, it's just that previous explosion just looks so unrealistic, and I would much rather it be a unrealistic practical explosion than an unrealistic CGI one, which, I'm not sure for this explosion if it was CGI or not, but they... As far as they're concerned, they killed Sybil, and... That's done. <laughs> Deke just called him Mac Daddy. And Mac says, no. But now we see that there is one more robot. It is an arm. It is the arm we saw from the beginning. And now, actually, the arm uh, robot from the beginning. That's a little bit of an Iron Man reference there. So, one more reference to add to our to the hopper of references. Uh, yeah, Oh. There's the, uh, reference to where the red fern grows, which, uh, was, (laughs) uh, read and hated. And actually what happens, this reminds me a little bit of my son. My son actually got so mad at someone when they were 10 or 11. Um, he got really, really mad at a friend from, uh, their homeschool group. And so you want to talk about homeschool revenge. Um, my son told him, Hey, uh, you should read where the red fern grows. That's great. It's a great book. And then the next time they saw each other, he said, I read Where the Red Fern Grows That was a horrible book. It made me cry. And my son got his revenge. <laughs> so homeschool revenge. Make them read a sad book. And yeah. Uh, so now they are re- celebrating. But this is where we get the scene where we find out. Um, Deke really is such a great friend. And I love the friendship that's happening here where deke is not looking for anything in return he's giving 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 mac isn't necessarily taking 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 like this is not where mac is taking advantage of the relationship this is where deke is waiting out mac and mac is help or deke is helping mac and deke is helping mac and his brother deal with the death of their parents in that time stream and at that age and uh he talks about how, you know, the pain's never going to go away completely, but at the same time, um, yeah, every day's a little easier. <laughs> I said that like you're watching it with me. So maybe you are. Um, but, uh, he also says that maybe you and your brother are even closer in this timeline, which is, it's a nice sentiment. And, and Mac really, I think appreciates the way that, uh, that Deke has been helping his family and helping him and waiting him out. And, and, you know, this friendship also reminds me a little bit. This is not a, an intentional reference. I'm positive this is not an intentional <laughs> reference. But Deek and Mac remind me a little bit of Frog and Toad, and just the the relationship that Frog and Toad have, which is a very real relationship about two people who love each other very, very much, but also are figuring out just how to navigate the world, and 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 how to navigate each other, and and, and accept each other, and, and support each other. So Mac, this is where it gets a little weird. Mac is going to pretend that he's part of Deke's band. And this is where my, my kids were asking. So this is really weird that Deke, you know, just out of nowhere, befriends this, you know, Uncle Marcus and the two boys. And how does that, how does that work? <clears throat> uh, the Zephyr shows up and we get a little bit of a a, a view of, of what's going on with them, but not not too much. Um, they send the Quinjet out after, uh, Mac and Deke, and this is where I find out I was way off when I thought that maybe it was, um, May from the past, but, uh, it's, it's, it's not, this is May from the, the future going back to the past, going back uh, along and, and doing whatever they're doing, uh, traveling through time but um they go to the lighthouse and this is the reunion the reunion of mac and deke with yo-yo and may mac is the one who gets a a real friendly reception and mac and yo-yo are oh, reunited and it feels so good reunited but there's another reunion coming and that is colson and- And May. And May actually gives Coulson a better reception than I was expecting. So that's kind of cool. She acts like completely nothing is wrong. And so, yeah, we find out they're going to bring him back on a hard drive, but uh, yeah, so Coulson wants a new body and and May says, you'll have to wait and see. And, um, the question is, yeah, what is it, what are we going to see with Coulson in the next episode? And, and really, what are we going to see with, with the whole team? Um, but the tag scene, and we'll, we'll get to that. The tag scene surprised me. It, it really did. But, uh, yeah, so this is all we get to see of S.H.I.E.L.D. in 1982. Uh, this is kind of a disappointment for me because, man... Uh, It's not actually S.H.I.E.L.D. So we have 75 seconds of ads here. So we're going to go back to Agent Derek. And he says, uh, what a fun episode. Mac coming to terms. Okay, ready to play one. Ben finally got a proto Battlestar Galactica Cylons actually in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Awesome, which is something that we uh, talked about in the past with uh, LMDs, but also recently with Simmons and her little uh, thing in the back of her neck. Uh, a little touch of the background music when Mac and Roxy Glass are being chased that sounded like Brad Fidel's Terminator score. Deke doing an 80s version of Marty McFly by stealing songs from his past and playing them in front of an audience. It might not have been the best episode of the season, but it made me laugh and smile a lot, so I think it was totally excellent. Thanks to all of you for keeping up with the podcast. It's great to have been able to listen along with you for the last seven seasons of all your shows. Agent Derek in Dublin, Ireland. Next, we have... Oh, that's from Hank. I already read that one. That's also from Hank. Uh, here we are. This is uh, Agent 084. Sent us a message. And he says, This episode was completely ridiculous. From the bad fake beard, to the bad cover band, to the bad 80s versions of Chronicoms. And I loved every second of it. Insert air guitar here. Um, we are back to the uh, the episode here, where the robot is kind of going around... Um, kind of Wally remind me of Wally a little bit there, but, um, as he's going along, I'm going to go ahead and continue reading. There was a surprising mix of comedy and drama, almost t- Taiki watitiesque esque. I can't be the only one getting choked up at that scene with Mac and Deke in front of uncle Mark Marcus's house, not to mention Mac getting his bro Thor on in the first part of the episode. Very hard to believe this was written and shot before end game and Coulson dealing relatively well with being trapped in the eighties tech was the chef's kiss of the whole thing. Um, I'm going to stop there for a second because going back to the episode we get to see who is this time stream being delivered to what nathaniel malik talking to sybil on a tv what this actually was a real big surprise to me i thought he was dead i thought he was done so last episode i thought nathaniel was dead and the chronicoms were alive or at least some of them were still alive and instead it was the exact opposite so that's the episode the end credit music though is pretty fantastic here and i really wish we got some soundtracks beyond season one all right, I'm going to move back into the feedback from uh, 084. He says, some things I'm trying hard not to think too much about. Where is the actual shield? Head cannons? Either Insights failure, bankrupted, explodes them, and they're disbanded, like what happens in the future, or Deke just wasn't able to reach out to them without being laughed at. Maybe Stoner has gotten a winter soldier visit by now. Next, uh, why the quick pit stop in 1982? Head cannon. Fitz is controlling the Zephyr's time jumps based on any Chronicom activity and time and all the waves being made are tripping him up a little. He sent the team to 1982 when Sybil was turned on by the computer repair guy. Then when he realized she wouldn't be functional for another 20 months, he sent them to 1983 and, uh, agent four. I think that's probably the best explanation for why they stopped in 1982 in the first place was that that was the moment when, when that activity was happening. Uh, final point from Agent 084. What was the point of cricket? <laughs> Headcanon. In a timeline without the Chronicomes, cricket eventually becomes Rusty, aka the best helicopter pilot the Lance Hunter's money can buy. Those couple questions aside, this was definitely the most fun episode of the season. I'm sure all the silliness is there to compensate for what's sure to be a dark and plot heavy back half. Can't wait. Until next time, Agent 084. And I would say. Um, this is still not my favorite episode of the season, but is definitely like the, the noir episode they did. This is a I, I think this is a return to often episode for me. Um, now, I've watched it a couple times, obviously, because you listen to me. Watch, watch it, but, um And I hope this worked out. You know, what's nice about this is it, it comes from a, a, a very short uh, episode. It means this episode is going to be about an hour, which is, you know, makes sense for an, a show that's about an hour. I do have one more person to get feedback from. And first of all, I have a voicemail from Agent Coco. I'm going to play that right now. And then I have a follow-up email from Agent Coco.
1: Hey, y'all. It's Agent Coco here. I hope you're doing really, 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 really well. Yeah, so this past episode was woof, kind of brutal, um, kind of heartbreaking, kind of sad, kind of tragic. <laughs> uh intense episode. They really are putting Mac through it, you know. Um, pretty much the entire series have put Mac through it. So I hope things work out for him in the end. Um considering it's another timeline, like a separate timeline would has been created by the Caracoms. I'm thinking maybe his parents aren't really dead, if that makes sense. Um you know, a lot of things that are happening as far as what they're doing and the Chronicoms are doing, they're creating these different threads. So the other original threads still exist, right? Because that was, oh, that scene when he had to throw his mama out the, the, um, Quinjet was, I, yeah, I cried for sure. And, um, you know, all that stuff with Daisy and Sosa, a lot of very convenient plot devices. Like I'm gonna give him a pass. Cause I love shield so much. And I think the writers are incredible, but that was, uh, that was a little, there were some loopholes in there. There was some, you know, like how did he get her powers so quickly? What did he do exactly? And how did Sosa with his one leg not really working too well, managed to carry Daisy to wherever Quinja is. Like it was like, mm, okay guys. But it's fine. It's fine. I'm I know I'm all in. <laughs> um anywho, it's I'm loving this season. It's a really good season. I've been going back and watching like some of my favorite episodes at the same time and just really seeing how consistent they've been in terms of the story and they're doing a lot of like hinting back to past seasons and past episodes I think that's really awesome you know they're showing love for the fans I feel like that's a way to show love for the fans like if you've been here from the beginning you know what's happening like I feel like that's what they're saying when they do that so Anywho, I hope you guys are well, and I'm looking forward to the rest of the season, although I'm sad that it's ending.
0: And um,
1: yeah, be safe out there.
0: So, that episode or that feedback was from last episode, but I I do want to talk about Sousa, and I agree completely about the whole like, that was very fast getting the powers and all that kind of thing. Um, The question about Sousa is that just, I don't know, he stood up, he walks with her. How did he make it? My kids were asking the same question. But for me, dude was just a hero. (laughs) Dude was just determined. He was just. Nothing was going to stop him. He was going to do this. He was going to help her. He was going to get her the help that she needed. And uh, now that we know Nathaniel's not dead, I actually like the ending better because um, with Nathaniel being still alive, that that just felt like very quick resolution. And it shouldn't have resolved that quickly. Um, you know, just him accidentally killing himself and that's how they escape. Well, since he's not dead, I don't feel as bad because we're not done with him. We're not done with their story and their conflict with him. So, and then the scene where the other heroic moment that took a lot of resolve and a lot of um, determination that you refer, referred to with um, Mac throwing his mom out, out of the, the plane. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that was rough, rough stuff. But again, I feel like they resolved it nicely in this episode. I feel like this episode resolved a lot of the pain and a lot of the uh, the stuff that Mac has been going through. Um, this, again, allowed him time to to be alone and process. And, you know, that, that frog and toad thing that I was talking about, they want to be with each other. But when one of them wants to be alone, the other one gives them space but they stay friends, you know, and this is just a great example of a friendship. And I I just really appreciated, um, that, that relationship that we get in this episode. All right. So finally, this is from agent Coco, uh, and kind of a follow up to that. And, and I really liked, um, what, what really drew me to agent Coco's message here was, was her subject line. And that is yo-yo's imposter syndrome. And she says, uh, Yo-Yo thinks she's not a valuable team, valuable member to the team because she doesn't have her powers. And Mac kind of made it worse when he called Daisy a strongest member. She was hurt by that. But she is actually really smart and really intuitive because she had a feeling that the Chronicoms were setting them up with that rescuing of Mac's parents. She literally said this could be a trick. And I honestly had a feeling it was a setup because that rescue was just too easy. Side note, this is me cutting in. I didn't. I didn't until... um, until May had her little, little um, intuition there. Uh, but ugh, I, I, I was tricked. I was tricked. But anyway, back to agent Coco. yo needs to heal from her imposter syndrome and believe in her street smarts and non-inhuman ability to f- figuring things out. She was the one who figured out May's empathy ability. She's smart. Also May's empath ability, empath ability needs to be a deeper storyline than just her being able to deduct chronic hums. Uh, and then the question who was in the photo at Malik's place. Thanks y'all agent Coco out. I think that the photo at Malik's place, we talked about this last episode, but I really do think it was Max's parents. And that's, uh, when yo-yo saw that, um, she realized what was kind of going on, but, uh, well, that's an episode. And, uh, thank you for listening. I appreciate you listening. Um, hopefully we'll get this episode out before the next episode of agents of shield comes out. But, uh, if we don't, you know it's all timey wimey anyway. So, yeah. Well, uh, I did want to mention one more thing, and that is that it was just me here. I didn't get any any messages from Stuart or Samantha or Daniel. Um, although, you know, Daniel and I we were getting along. You know, it was it, we were getting along, but it was kind of a I don't know. We weren't firing shots. Uh, but then I find out that daniel's wanting stewart to to step things up and 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 so while daniel's not actually firing shots at me he's trying to get stewart to fire shots at me i mean this we're moving away from from this kind of i don't know what you would call it when you know you have two enemies on either side and they're not actually fighting each other but they're still uh still enemies. Oh man, if I just had a history major or someone who, who loved history could kind of tell me, what is that phrase that I'm looking for? We have two sides in conflict that don't actually engage in direct conflict. Um, because it's getting worse with, with Daniel encouraging Stuart to be mean to me. Uh, oh, I know what it's called. It's called the Cold War. And with Daniel encouraging Stuart the way he has, it looks like the Cold War just heated up. MX. And once again, thanks for listening. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Yeah, I know. I think we've done that gag before on this on this show. But, uh, you know, it's it's an 80s reference. So. I figured I'd do it. Also, I don't have anyone to talk to to do a good post credits conversation. So I'm just going to stop recording now. That was really hard.
1: (laughs) Oh, man.